1: examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith test yourselves and one of the initial tests is whose side are you on who are you standing with and who you're standing for not only was it saving faith listen to this it was surprising faith you're a betting person and you're gonna bet if somebody might respond in faith to the god of israel those people in jericho who might be the first one you wouldn't put your money on the prostitute
0: Pastor Danny is going to take a good look at the faith of the prostitute Rahab today. And what he finds is that it's a faith that saved her and her family. Her act of faith kept anyone in her house from destruction. It's also a surprising faith. God delights in using unexpected people to do his work. And in this case, he found a prostitute with faith. Keep your eyes open as you move through the world. You'll find faith in surprising places. And when you see it, you'll never look at the world the same way ever again. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of The Living Word. To every nation.
1: Hebrews chapter 11, that's where we are. And if you've been with us, you know we've snailed our way through this chapter and it's been great. Now we come to a character that I never get tired of reading about and teaching about. Verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Last week, one of the things we looked at, the people's fate and the conquest at Jericho. Jericho dates back more than 10,000 years. It's the most ancient known city in the Bible. And a lot of things I could tell you about Jericho historically, but one of the things that I want you to really see more than anything else, Leviticus chapter 18 And I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I don't want to read the whole chapter, and you wouldn't want me to. Why? Because beginning in verse 5, keep my decrees and laws, the Lord says, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I'm the Lord. Verse 6, no one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. Don't dishonor your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She's your mother. Don't have relations with her. Don't have sexual relations with your father's wife, evidently not your mother in that situation. That would dishonor your father. And then with your sister, and it goes on and on, and it gets worse. I mean, it gets so perverted. God even says here, uh, don't have sexual relations with an animal. Now, I have no problem with that one personally. I mean, it's a whole chapter on God saying, hey, Don't you be involved in sexual sin and sexual sin of a kind that you can't even imagine. It's so perverted. It's so pagan. And then in verse 27, he says, for all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you and the land became defiled. That means that the people living in Jericho, when the Israelites came in, they were so pagan that those are the kind of things they were involved in. That's why it's no surprise to find the record in the Bible of a particular prostitute named Rahab who lived in Jericho. Some uh, scholars have suggested that Rahab wasn't actually a prostitute. And I don't know how in the world you could even say that. Because the Hebrew word, that's used over and over again, not only related to Rahab, it means a harlot, to act as a harlot, to commit adultery. You find in Genesis 34, Genesis 38, uh, Exodus 34, Leviticus 17, 19, 20, Deuteronomy 22, etc., etc. A lot of verses, a lot of verses, and all the same exact meaning. In James, Rahab is referred to, and the Greek word referring to her as a prostitute is pornea. I bet you'll never guess what English word we get from that. Pornography. Folks, she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She lived in Jericho. The most ancient city we know recorded in the Bible. So she lived in the oldest city we know of in the Bible. And she practiced what some suggest is the oldest profession known to man. Her story is incredible. Let's read it. Go back with me. The book of Joshua. Joshua. Chapter 2, Joshua chapter 2, listen carefully, read along, follow with me. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, don't get the wrong idea. They're not there for business. They're there because they're spies, and it's the most strategic place for them not to be detected. But it doesn't work out like they think. King of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. That's a lie. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. That's a lie. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, great kings with great armies east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God, listen to what this lady says. The Lord your God is heaven, God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. Because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them. No surprise, she's not married, but she has family, and that you will save us from death. And here's their response to her. Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide there three days until they return and then go on your way. And the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. No surprise, she has a scarlet cord. She's in the red rope district. It didn't go over either of the other services either. It's getting tough in my old age. And unless you've brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we're doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back, they went down out of the hills, forded the river, came to Joshua son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them, including the story of Rahab. And they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. These guys go and stay in what they think is a strategic hideout, a prostitute's house. But somebody rats on them. Uh, Local police are sent out, basically. And it looks like they're doomed. And there's this amazing surprise turn of events. They are basically rescued by the faith of a prostitute. Someone put it this way. Listen, God's agents were saved by a madam, the proprietress of a bordello, a woman who sold her body for money, who submitted to any man who crossed her doorway if he had the cash. But a dramatic change was about to take place in this prostitute's life. And it all began when she simply put her faith in the God of Israel. Now, when you study and think about Rahab's faith, there are characteristics that emerge that are both instructive and extremely encouraging, and I'm going to share a few of those with you. First of all, her faith was saving faith. She's mentioned in the New Testament book of James, and let me give you the context Verse 18 of James 2, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Then it goes on to say, hey, the demons believe in God, but they don't have salvation. Then it gives Abraham as an example and the deeds that proved his genuine saving faith. And then lastly, verse 25 in the same way it was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction, and she lied in the process. That was the first evidence that her faith was genuine and that it was really saving faith. Some people have a problem with her lying, but I like what this writer said. Her initial deeds that proved her faith involved a lie, but we must consider this against the backdrop of an incredibly pagan culture. We must be sympathetic and patient with the character of recent converts. And then the writer mentions a fellow named John Newton. John Newton. John Newton years ago was involved, one of the key people involved in the slave trade. But he got gloriously saved. You might have heard of a song that John Newton, after his salvation, later wrote. It's called Amazing grace but for a year after john newton's salvation experience which was genuine for a whole year he continued to be involved in the slave trade then that this is not an excuse for sin but listen even though it was a lie consider her pagan culture okay and yet that was the initial evidence that her faith was genuine real saving faith And here's what it shows, and here's why God mentions it, even though it was a lie. Because here's what she did in essence. She took a step away from her own culture, her own background, her own people that she had lived and grown up with, and she took a step for the God of Israel and supporting the people of that God She took a step away from this life and she took a step and she identified with the people of God and put her faith in the true God, the God of Israel. Some great scriptures, Ephesians chapter two, verse one, listen to it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That's what Rahab was along with all those people in Jericho because God's coming their way and judgment is going to fall on those who would not respond to the God of Israel in faith like Rahab did. She was saved. She took a step away from the world, if you will. And for the Lord, Peter writes about this. And boy, if you're genuinely saved, I hope you can relate. I sure can. First Peter chapter four, verse three, listen to what he says. For you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, that's loose living, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. They think it's strange that you don't hang out and do the same things anymore. And they heap abuse on you. They persecute you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. In other words, they're going to one day stand before the judgment and experience the wrath of God. But you made the right decision. Even though you're paying the price for it, you made the right decision. You stepped out of that life and you stepped onto the winning side. And everybody that has genuine saving faith has made that step. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. And one of the initial tests is, whose side are you on? Who are you standing with and who are you standing for? Not only was it saving faith, listen to this. It was surprising faith. You're a betting person. And you're going to bet if somebody might respond in faith to the God of Israel, those people in Jericho, who might be the first one? You wouldn't put your money on the prostitute. Most least likely one. I love the stories of the Bible. One of my favorite is Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 in Jesus' ministry and his first coming, he dealt with a lot of people. But this guy he deals with here in Mark chapter 5 is unique. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit, it was actually more than one. It was a lot. legion came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You talk about a hopeless dude. There's a guy the world's given up on and glad that he's living in the tombs. They don't want him around them anymore. Hopeless situation. I love Matthew chapter 12 verse 20, a statement about Messiah. Here's what it says. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. A bruised reed is a reed that can no longer be made into a musical instrument, no longer be useful, and you just discard it and go get another one. But that's not what God does. He says, what man can't do with that bruised reed, I can. I can make it sing again. I can make it play music again. The smoldering wick, what is that? Well, in our culture, that'd be like saying the bulb, the the, the light bulb was burned out. You just toss it and you get a new one. A smoldering wick. He will not snuff out. He can make it burn again. I love that. Don't you love The record. Of Jesus after resurrection, on resurrection morning, the Bible tells us on, early on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. And guess who the first person he appeared to was? Well, it was a woman. And in that culture, for him to appear first to a woman, the guys would have been awfully offended at that. But it's more than just a woman. Her name is Mary Magdalene. And the Bible tells us he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. I just love those kind of stories. little Danny DeVito looking guy, you know, Zacchaeus, he lived in Jericho too. Jesus is coming through. He climbs up the sycamore fig tree to get a look at Jesus. Jesus trees him. Jesus comes and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I got to go to your house today. Zacchaeus gets gloriously saved that day. He's a chief tax collector. He's a dirty, rotten, sneaky thief. His whole life was changed that day. Most least likely person, Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus who became the apostle Paul. He gets gloriously saved on the road to Damascus where he's on his way to persecute and kill and imprison more Christians because he thinks by doing so, he's actually serving the God of Israel. He's so blind. He gets saved, but when the people back in Jerusalem, the Christians back in Jerusalem hear about Saul of Tarsus getting saved, they don't believe it's genuine. They think he's using it as a ploy to infiltrate them where he could not before to persecute more. They don't believe he's the real deal. Nobody believed. Saul of Tarsus is really saved? you got to be kidding me. There's character after character after character. Oh, yeah, there's one guy I know pretty well. His name's Danny Hodges. (laughs) I was the guy that my relatives wouldn't let their kids hang out with. If I was going to be somewhere, they didn't want their kids there. And they wouldn't let their kids go anywhere with me, my cousins and all. you know, nobody, They're not going to let them hang out with me. I was crazy. How many of you, come on, how many of you, however long you've been saved, your family may be still shocked. There's, I mean, nobody expected you to get saved. I mean, my goodness, the least likely person. Surprising faith. Let me tell you something else. It was singular faith. What do you mean by that? Well, I got that from uh, C.H. Spurgeon, the record of one of his messages. Let me read you a section of his message. Have you ever felt that it's a very hard thing to have a singular faith? It's the easiest thing in the world to believe as everybody else believes. But the difficulty is to believe a thing alone when no one else thinks as you think, to be the solitary champion of a righteous cause when the enemy mustereth his thousands to the battle. Now, this was the faith of Rahab. She had not one who felt as she did, who could enter into her feelings and realize the value of her faith. She stood alone. Oh, it is a noble thing to be the lonely follower of despised truth. Rahab's faith, sinner as she was, had this glory, this crown about its head, that she stood alone, faithful among the faithless found. All in Jericho had the opportunity to be saved. They all feared the God of Israel, but only one, Rahab, stepped out in faith and was saved. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow, the road that leads to life. And few there are that find it. Don't misunderstand what he's saying. Jesus died for the whole world. His blood is sufficient for God to love the world. And God is not willing that any should perish. God wants everybody to be saved. Unfortunately, the crowd is going the wrong way. And if you don't take a step away from the crowd... And it doesn't matter what your wife thinks or your husband thinks or your kid thinks or your mom or dad or your your, your people you go to school with or anybody. Listen, if you don't be brave enough to take that step, you're going to head down the path of doom with the crowd. Don't do that. Take the step. Let me tell you one more. It was sanctifying faith. Sanctifying faith. 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Theological term for that is sanctification. And we're being sanctified until we see Jesus face to face. I can't wait uh, that the sanctification process is over. And I get a new body and a a new everything. And I need it more than ever. You imagine? Rahab's fate set her on a whole new path in life. I mean, she she couldn't even imagine what lay ahead. But as she became part of the people of God and the children of Israel, uh, her life as a prostitute now behind her. And she had a peace. She had a peace that was beyond understanding. She never had before. You know what else? She felt mysteriously and wonderfully clean. Clean. What an amazing thing after all the sins she'd been involved in. She would hear more about this God of Israel. She heard he's the God of creation. He created the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve. She'd hear about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their heritage of forefathers in faith. She'd celebrate Passover And I no doubt she loved that. And to to hear that they were slaves in Egypt, and by the blood of the Lamb, they're delivered from the bondage of Egypt. And she knew about that bondage because she'd been in bondage for years. And she heard about God more and more, and she hung on every word, and she soaked up truth like a sponge. And she, over time, became a different woman. She learned about purity. She learned about sexual purity. Her dress began to change. No more low blouses and short skirts.
0: Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Hebrews here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, CCF. STPETE.church. Once you're there, just look under the resources tab. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at c-c-f-s-t-p-e-t-e dot church. Again, that email address is info at ccfst p-e-t-e dot church be sure and let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email in addition to that we would love to meet you in person so if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area feel free to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. You can find out more from our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. But be sure to join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Hebrews. Our vision for this ministry is teaching the word, reaching the world, right here on The Living Word.